Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment Podcast with the team at Mach 1 Financial Group. The Mach 1 Market Moment Podcast starts now. Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment. I'm Ron Stutz along with David Lee, Retirement Income Planning Specialist at Mach 1 Financial Group. Wherever you are in Northwest Arkansas today, thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with David, you can call 479-876-2100. That is 479-876-2100. 2100. One more time, and the number is so important, 479-876-2100. You can come in and have a conversation about your retirement. And uh, David, it's good to be back with you today. Good to be back with you as well. It's been a long time since we've talked here on the show, and glad to get reacquainted after a while. Let's talk about some retirement questions that may be a little difficult to answer for some folks out there. You know, some of retirement planning's most important questions might seem really simple at first. They can be asked in just four or five words and give the impression that the answers are a simple yes or no. But it's a little tricky sometimes because many of those questions can become rather overwhelming. So I thought today we could cover some of the important retirement questions that are harder to answer than you might think. First of all, deciding when to take your Social Security. On the surface, David, that seems like it would be really simple, but there are a lot of things to think about. Yeah, there really are. This is definitely one of those areas that might seem simple on the surface, but when you really dig into it, it is a lot more complicated than you would think. Now, at a very high level, the truth of the matter about Social Security is it's frankly impossible to know the optimal age at which to collect because to know that you have to know when you're going to die. You have to know how long you're going to live because the straight answer for how to get the most out of the system during your life is to delay as long as possible, which means delay all the way to age 70. But a lot of people may not have the financial resources to fill the income gap while they wait for 70 to get here. A lot of people may not want to wait that long because they're not sure they're going to live long enough to reap the benefits from waiting that long. So there's a lot to that question about when to take Social Security and also how to take it. You know, should, for example, should you go ahead and file, for, assuming you're a married couple, should you go ahead and file for your benefit, allowing your spouse to claim his or her spousal benefit? which further allows you to delay longer all the way up to age 70, getting 8% extra income for every year you wait. So there are some complicated filing strategies called file and suspend, which we can explain in more detail in a one-on-one visit that might be more pertainable to your unique situation. But suffice to say this, I've done hundreds if not thousands of retirement analyses through the years using a software program called Retirement Analyzer that we use. And everybody's situation is obviously unique, but we can help determine the optimal time, not knowing how long you're going to live, but making certain assumptions. We can help determine what's the optimal age for you to take Social Security, whether you ought to take it as soon as you're eligible at age 62, you know, Are you going to still be working at 62? There are other factors that go in there because, as you may know, you know, if you're still working prior to full retirement age, which for most of you listening is going to be between 66 and 67, there's an earning penalty. If you earn too much money, the government makes you pay a penalty, pay a portion of your Social Security income back. So, you know, there's definite disadvantages to taking it early prior to age 66 or 67, especially if you're still working. But anyway, in virtually every retirement analysis I've done through the years, 
you know, there's a different answer for everybody as to when you should take Social Security. Should you do it as soon as 62? Should you wait till full retirement age? Should you wait all the way to 70? And the reason the answer varies from individual to individual or married couple to married couple is because everybody has a different amount of assets, a different ability to bridge the income gap by waiting till 70 or however long you're going to wait. Everybody's got a different marital status, single or married. A lot of people are different in terms of the age gap between spouses. All those things and many more that I haven't had time to mention affect what the right answer is for when you should take Social Security. So it's definitely not just one of those, well, okay, I'm retired now. I'm going to turn it on right now. That's usually the simple answer that most people arrive at. And oftentimes that is the wrong answer. So if you've never thought much about that or about the intricacies and the strategies of claiming Social Security and how to claim it, when to claim it, to maximize it, you owe it to yourself to come in and talk to us or someone that's qualified to answer that question to help you figure that out. You're listening to the Mach 1 Market Moment. We're talking about some simple retirement questions. It may seem easy to answer at first, but when you look into it, there are a lot of things to consider. We always talk about the importance of diversification in your portfolio and design a truly diversified portfolio, is that easy or is it something that's more difficult? Well, you know, from my perspective as an advisor, it's not that difficult. But I think the difficult part of the question for a lot of people is what does diversification mean? For most people, their definition of diversification is the right split between stocks and bonds. So a typical portfolio, especially for a retiree, might be 60% stocks, 40% bonds, or vice versa, 60% bonds, 40% stocks. And the reason why I don't perceive that to be a truly diversified portfolio is because there can be times when stocks and bonds are both highly correlated. In other words, they both move down together. So the way we'd put together diversified portfolios at Mach 1 that may be different than a lot of our competitors is we'll use fixed and indexed annuities as the bond replacement mechanism of a, in a portfolio. So where another advisor might put X percent in bonds, we would say we think a fixed or an index annuity is a good replacement for that bond portion of the portfolio because you've got downside protection based on the claims paying ability of the insurance company that you're with. You don't have the interest rate risk in an annuity like you have in a bond, and you don't have the default risk in an annuity like you have in a bond, again, based on the strength of the underlying insurance company. So we use annuities, fixed and index annuities as bond replacement mechanisms within a portfolio. And then for the stock portion of a portfolio, we'll use things like hedged equity strategies where we put a floor under, you know, the max loss potential using things like options, put options and call options. And then we'll use strategies that are not correlated to the market using certain option trading strategies on a small portion of the portfolio to get a piece of the portfolio that's not correlated to the market. So it's definitely, in my view, I haven't seen a lot of what a lot of our competitors do through the years. I think what we do, the way we use option trading strategies for the non-correlated part, hedging strategies for the correlated parts of our strategies, and annuities for the bond portions of our strategies, I think it ends up being a, a lot better diversified portfolio where you've got different components doing different things at different times because the truth of the matter is when it comes to investments, nothing works all the time. I'm going to say that again. That's an important phrase. When it comes to investments, nothing works all the time. That's why you need to have different strategies 
some that are correlated to the market, some that are not correlated to the market, some that are not in the market at all, which is the annuity, the fixed index annuity piece, because nothing works all the time. You need to have different things that do different things at different times to generate income in different ways so that you always have at least a portion of your portfolio that's performing to generate the income that you're going to need during your retirement years. My next simple retirement question, and it may be hard to answer, how about picking funds in your 401k? Now, this one I actually do think is simple, and I can give a short, simple answer to this. My philosophy for picking funds in a 401k is very simple. Since you can't go off the menu, you have a set menu of funds that you can choose from. Typically, you'll have some in the large cap category, some in the mid cap category, some in small caps. And that's just a description of the different types of stocks that those funds invest in, large cap being large company, mid being medium size, small being small companies. So we typically, as we get older, we want to have a larger portion of our portfolio in large cap and dividend producing stocks and a smaller portion in small and mid cap stocks. And then also an increasing portion in the fixed income bucket. And basically the way you choose, let's say you have two or three or 10 different large cap stock funds in your portfolio, you would simply choose the one with the lowest expense ratio as long as it has a comparable long-term performance number as the higher expense ratio. So for example, if I've got two large cap funds, one has an expense ratio of one and a half percent and it's been averaging 8% over the last decade. And then I've got another one that's got an expense ratio of 0.1%. And it's also been averaging eight or close to that. I would always uh, favor the lower expense ratio fund. You'll find a lot of times the lower expense ratio funds are the ones that tend to perform the best anyway. So I would choose a large cap fund, a mid cap fund, a small cap fund with the best combination of the lowest expense ratio and the best long-term performance, long-term being 10 years or so. All right. Uh, another question here. How about doing a 401k rollover? That seems simple, but is it really? Yeah, I can understand how to a retail investor or someone who's never done a 401k rollover before. It may not seem simple, but it really is. It truly is. It's something that we literally do uh, here at Mach 1. We, I'd say we probably do an average of four rollovers per week. So it's a very simple, very normal process. It's a non-taxable event. So you move money from an old employer 401k plan into an IRA. That's a non-taxable event. And the main reason why you might want to consider doing that is because you'll find that you typically have a wider variety of investment options and often better investment options outside your 401k than inside your 401k. And you have a lot better control over it. You have a lot better visibility over it as well, oftentimes. So there's a lot of reasons why you might want to roll over the 401k once you're eligible to do that, which usually happens once you're 59 and a half or once you leave a former employer. Okay. And one more question here, David, and this is one that most people don't even like to think about, much less talk about, addressing the cost of a nursing home stay. Nobody really wants that, but uh, we all need to get prepared because most people will have some kind of long-term care in their future. Yeah, it's a tough one, right? Because uh, purchasing long-term care is one of those things that nobody really wants to think about it. Nobody wants to think of themselves as going into a nursing home or, or some sort of long-term 
care facility down the road. But yet, like you said, it's a reality that a good percentage of the population is going to face. So it's definitely something that you need to look at as far as your overall retirement plan. I kind of referenced the retirement analysis software program that we use on every person that comes in the door. That's an important angle at which we look at things from. So we look at things not just from the perspective of what happens if you, assuming for a married couple, what happens if you both live? Well, what happens if one of you dies prematurely? So you got to make sure you got the life insurance angle factored in correctly. But also what happens if one of you goes into a a nursing home and lives for a long time? You've got to make sure that you're covered from that angle as well. And the good news is there are a lot of products out there now that will double as both a long-term care benefit and a life insurance benefit. So it kind of takes some of the sting out of the old traditional long-term care policies where you're paying all these high premiums in. And the only way you get anything out of it is if the unfortunate event happens to you where you have to go in a nursing home. Now there are products that are available where if you die before having to use the long-term care benefit, which most of us hope for, then your family or your spouse gets a tax-free death benefit. So that's an example of some products we can show you. If that's a need that you have, we can definitely help fill that need here at Mach 1. David, I know these are mostly tough questions to answer if you're trying to make the decisions in a vacuum or outside of a comprehensive financial plan. When people come in and talk to you, how do you simplify the answers to questions like those? Yeah, that's a great question. And I've kind of referenced it a couple of times throughout this question and answer session we've had here today, which is we use a planning tool called Retirement Analyzer where we plug all of an individual's information in, such as when they're going to retire, how much Social Security income they're projected to have, how much pension income, if any, they're projected to have, what their various retirement savings are that they have to start with today, and how much they're contributing to those savings per month if they're still working. And we can help by, once we plug all of the data in, as well as your expenses, we can answer a lot of those hard questions, such as when to turn on Social Security, How much long-term care insurance do you need, if any? Sometimes the answer is none, depending on the individual. How much life insurance do you need, if any? What kind of rate of return do you need to average on your investments to make sure they last for your lifetime? And based on that required rate of return, how much risk is there going to be in your portfolio? And how can we get, hopefully, the desired rate of return or the required rate of return with as close to zero risk as possible. That's what we do here at Mach 1. That's how we help you plan for and prepare for retirement. You're listening to the Mach 1 Market Moment, and the number to call to get in touch with Mach 1 Financial Group is 479-876-2100. That is 479-876-2100. I'm Ron Stutz, along with David Lee. This is the Mach 1 Market Moment. Advisory services through Capel Advisory Solutions, LLC, DBA Fusion Capital Management. Investments and or investment strategies involve risk, including the potential loss of principal. Please see full disclosures at www.mock-1financial.com.